you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to a couple of scriptures. So you're going to need a hold on one of them. So Isaiah 43, verse 1 is the first one. Isaiah 43, verse 1. And then also, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Isaiah 43, 1 and 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm going to read Isaiah 43, 1 first here. The Bible reads like this, and it says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I am God's. It says, I have called you by name. You are mine. This is God speaking. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul writes these words, and he says, Nothing you do for him, meaning for God, is a waste of time or effort. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I titled this message this morning, The Unknown Soldier, But Not to God. The unknown soldier, but not to God. There lies a tomb in the state of Virginia, the tomb of the unknown soldier. I'm sure many of us are aware of that, and I wanted to base it off of this because sometimes in life, we can feel like we are unknown. Maybe we can feel like we are forgotten forgotten like we maybe sometimes we feel like we are not appreciated how many of us have ever felt like this before you feel like you were forgotten you feel maybe like like you are unknown or maybe unappreciated this morning well I'm gonna tell you right now that God has a great word for you this morning God has a great word for you. If you feel that you are forgotten, maybe some things that you are praying for in your life, you feel like, God, God, where are the answers to those prayers? Lord, I feel like I'm forgotten. Maybe there's some things taking place in your life right now. Maybe there's some loss. Maybe there's some heartache. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's some things that you got passed up on. Uh, I don't know, and you feel like you are forgotten. Maybe you're, a, maybe you're a ministry worker, maybe you're a ministry leader, uh, and you feel like you are forgotten. I mean, I know that we can, we can feel this way at times, can't we, church? You could even be a pastor and feel like you are forgotten. It doesn't stop anywhere. It, it hits us all at different times in our lives, and we could have these feelings. We know of the unknown soldier. And how many, how many lives have been lost on that battlefield that were given for you and I, but we don't realize what has been given for you and I? Many times in our lives, we don't realize how many lives have been given for us. How about Jesus Christ? Because there's times in our lives when we forget that Jesus gave his life for us. And what does that mean for you? That means that you could have salvation. That means, that means that you are free from sin. Did you know that? 
that because Jesus gave his life on Calvary's cross, you can be free from sin. Thank you, Jesus. That because he gave his life for you and I, that means that you do not have to pay for your sins. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. And we know that we ought to be paying for some of those things that we've done, but, but, God, but God says, you know what, I give my son for you. His blood covers you to a point where we don't even understand what that covering means or even does in our lives. The power that it has over our lives. That it truly frees us. And now we can get to know Christ. And now we could even, thank God, be a reflection of Christ. Wow, think about that. That your life went from here to now being a reflection of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thing. The first few chapters in 1 Chronicles, if any of you have ever read the first maybe like nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, you know what I'm talking about. Those first few chapters give a basic genealogy dating all the way back from Adam, the first human being. How many believe Adam was the first human being? All right, good. All right, most of us believe that. All the way back from Adam until the day of the writing. All the genealogy. And I'm telling you right now, those first nine chapters, I don't, I don't want to discourage you from reading it, but some, you, you know, uh, uh, some people may, may need to have some extra coffee when you're reading those first nine chapters. Because basically what it goes over is a bunch of names. A names of all the genealogies talking about the, the, the line of, of, of David, the line of Aaron, right? The priesthood. And talking all the way, uh, the, the messianic line with David, which we know that leads all the way up to Jesus Christ. But it gives all these genealogies, and there's a bunch of names that I'm telling you right now, you're going to have a hard time even pronouncing and if you read those, like I said, you're going to need someone to keep your eyelids open because you can easily get lost and, and possibly get tired. And sometimes we can read those and look, read over those names and think, oh, you know, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and not really have much impact in our lives. But I'll tell you right now that all those names in those chapters mean something. Those were all lives, just like yours and mine. It was a life that was lived to lead all the way up to what God is doing and what God has done. This is what many of us can read over, and these names can become forgotten. These names can become unknown because they're so hard to pronounce and we think, oh, you know, what does that even mean anyways? But these were lives. These were lives that were used for God to do his work. 
and this is what we, you and I must understand, is that there is great meaning in those chapters of First Chronicles. It enabled the Israelites to identify themselves with the past. Where they come from, how many of you have ever taken one of those ancestry, you know, things where you want to know where you come from? I know there's many in here that have, that have, that have done those tests. I know you have. I have one still in my drawer that someone bought me. And I was, you know, I was, I'm more on the skeptical side, like, you know, I don't want to give any of my, you know, DNA or whatever they're asking for. Because I want to stay off the grid. <laughs> yeah, off the grid, right? <laughs> but there are certain things that you're like, you know, you, you draw a line, right? You, right? you know, I draw a line with, with sending in whatever they want for this ancestry thing. That's where I draw the line. We all have lines that we draw. But I'm sure many of us have done that. Why? Because we want to know where we come from, don't we? We want to know what our background is, what our history is, what countries we may, you know, our, our families come from and things like that. We want to know our heritage. Oh, yeah, this, you know, when they, can, when, when, when they give you the results, and I don't know how true they are, the way I feel, they could be just be, you know, giving me anything. Just some made-up thing of, you know, you're this and this and this. But we want to know where we come from, who we are, who our family is. This was very important for the Israelites to know. Where do I come from? What is my lineage? Who is my Great, 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 great grandfather. I want to know who he is. I want to know how he fought. I want to know his passion. I want to know, you know, what he planned for the next generations or what he did, what he did for work and all these kind of things I want to know. See, the author here names all the key people in the Old Testament. I would say like these first nine chapters are kind of like the end credits to a movie. You ever stood for the end credits for a movie at a theater? Without hoping for a second ending to a movie, <laughs> all right? <laughs> you just wanted to see the end credits. You wanted, to, you wanted to see all the names involved in making that movie. I'm sure many of us, and I don't want to say this care, you know, heartlessly, but can care less about the end credits in movies. But what does that tell us? Well, it tells us who made the movie. It tells us who was involved. It tells us all the individuals who were a part of that movie that you enjoyed so thoroughly. You thought, wow, this is an amazing movie. Who did this and who did that? 
You learn all those things on the end credits. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this morning if after every service we had end credits? <laughs> of all the individuals who made this happen, you know, in movies, they name everyone, you know, from the director to the food caterer, right? Wardrobe, uh, transportation, everything. They name everybody that was involved. Can you imagine we put up those at the end of the service and shows everyone who was involved in making this service possible? Because I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, it is such a large group of people that make this possible every service. Some of us think that maybe things just prepare itself. The VIP room just sets up itself. Coffee is just magically made and magically delicious. <laughs> Somebody made that coffee. Amen. I thank God for the individuals that make that coffee. <laughs> Somebody replaced toilet paper rolls in the restroom. How many of you are thankful for those individuals? Because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if there was no toilet paper in there, you'd be so upset. <laughs> you wouldn't want to stay. You'd want you'd to go home, and for good reason, because, yeah. <laughs> I won't even go there. But all these things that get done that we have no clue about. We have no clue maybe even who did it. But all these things are done. All these things are, tend are tended to. The children's workers, worship team, ushers, greeters. Oh my God, so, so many, so many people who, who are involved. The, the custodial staff, those who clean up the building. Once we leave on the weekends, our audio and video team upstairs. I'm, I'm not sure if you knew they were upstairs, but they're, they're upstairs. They're working. They're making all this possible. For you who are watching online, you need to thank God for the audio and video team. You can stay home and watch the service. Now get back to church. <laughs> we want you to be here. We want you to be here. I know football's on, but serving God is, you know, worshiping God is so much better. All right. Back to the message. The thing is that we need those individuals to clean the building. We need those individuals to greet new uh, visitors as they come through these doors. You're the first face that visitors see when they walk through these doors is you, greeter. New Harvest greeter, you are. You are loved. You are loved. Wherever you are in this building, and there's a lot of them. You are loved. Those new faces, when they see you smiling, when they see those pearly whites, and when they see those signs that say, you know, we are so glad you're here. Oh, man, that made someone's day. 
You look very nice. You smell good. I'm not sure if they have those signs. <laughs> Maybe they should make them. I don't know. You smell good. That's always comforting to hear. You know, your breath smells good. <laughs> Here's a mint. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 1. says this, it says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, for then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. What does that mean? That means that God is a rewarder of those who work behind the scenes. Hmm. He's a rewarder of those who may be the unknown. In Luke chapter 10, we read about Jesus choosing 70 disciples to go into these towns and cities that he was about to go into. And what he sent them to do was to, in a sense, go ahead of him, ready the people for what is to come. So the Bible says he sent these 70, 70 disciples, around 70 to go into these cities and towns and to let them know about what is to come. But Jesus says, I want you to bless those who accept you. Because they are not accepting you, they're accepting me. He says, so I want you to bless those cities, bless those towns. What does that mean? He says, I want you to pray for them. Those who are sick in body, you pray for those who are sick, and they will be healed. You speak blessings over their, over their lives, over their city, over their towns. Those that, that accept you and welcome you and feed you, you do that. And he says, in those towns and cities that reject you, you curse them. And you tell them what is to come, that judgment day is coming. The Bible says that these 70 disciples came back with great joy, with great joy, because even the demons obeyed them, they said. Lord, you won't believe what kind of, what kind of power we had going with us. Even the demons obeyed us when we spoke as we used the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells the 70 this in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. And he says this, he says, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Hmm. Don't rejoice because you have all this power in my name, but re rejoice because your name is written in heaven. See, and this is what you and I need to grasp and realize. That not only do we have this supernatural power of God with us and at work through us, but it doesn't matter what we are doing, whether it be here in the house of the Lord, whether it be at your job, whether it be at home, amen, because we do everything as unto the Lord, right? Church, yes, amen. We do everything as unto the Lord, amen. All right, good. 
We do everything as unto the Lord, whether it be here at church, at your jobs, at home, at school, wherever it may be. And the Lord, I believe, tells us, oh, you need to be excited. You need to be, you need to be overflowing with, with zeal because your name is written in, the, in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, it's kind of like those movie end credits, but on a whole nother level. You know, those names that are in those end credits is nothing like your name being written in heaven. Oh, man. Your name is written in heaven. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, my name is written in heaven. Sometimes, like I said before, we can... We can uh, find times of discouragement in our lives. Why? Because of a lack of recognition. Now, I'm not saying that people don't need to be recognized for their service. But there will be times when you don't get recognized. And it may not be intentional. But there may be times where you just don't get recognized. How are you going to react? My name, my name wasn't in those end credits I didn't see it. I saw so-and-so's name, but I didn't see mine. I saw so-and-so get thanked, but I didn't get thanked. I saw this other person get a handshake. I didn't get it. Did you get a handshake? I didn't get a handshake. <laughs> right? Now we're, now we're trying to convince others and then bring them, bring them into our pity party sometimes. But sometimes we do get discouraged. Because of a lack of recognition, this could happen anywhere, and this could happen to anybody. Doesn't matter position or place, it happens to us all. It can cause someone to not feel valued, it can cause someone to feel forgotten. It could lead to that person becoming disengaged. How many times have, has the discouragement from not being recognized or feeling that we have been or not have been recognized leads to us pulling away? Maybe this isn't for me. I thought this was going to be different. Man, really didn't meet my expectations. So-and-so doesn't appreciate what I do. So I'm just, I'm just going to pull away a little bit. I'm just going to pull away. And this is what the enemy wants us to do. You have to understand this. Because as we work unto the Lord, you have to, you have to, you have to not focus on what man does or does not do for you. You have to. Because I'm telling you right now, if you focus on that, it's going to lead you down that road. Believe me, church, I've been there many times. The enemy wants us to pull away and to become disengaged. You're not, even, you're not even mentally there anymore. Maybe you're there physically, but you're not there mentally. And you think, oh, man, 
just, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it anymore. Well, is God still moving these days? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Does he still want to use your life? Yes, he does. Are there still people who need to know about Jesus? Yes, there is. Is God going to use you to bring them to Christ? Yes, he wants to. Yes, he wants to. But it's up to you and I to step out of that place of having everything or having maybe just certain things meet our needs and we start meeting others' needs. Because this is what service is about, right? What service is about, what we come through these doors here for is to serve others, correct? Yes, we're to serve others. You walk through these doors, you get ready to serve someone. You get ready to meet someone's needs. You get ready to pray for someone. You get ready to tell someone that it is good to see them this morning. Because I'm telling you right now, and this is, this is not, I'm not speaking here, but if it were the case, if we all came in, you know, all down and, and only focusing on what was taking place in our lives, and many of those things can be discouraging, but if that's all we focused on, we're not going to meet anyone else's needs. And this is true for everything else in your life as well. This is not just in the house of the Lord, but I'm speaking to you as a church this morning. God wants to give you back that enthusiasm. God wants to re-engage you. He wants to have you once again be a part of what's taking place. To get into it. To throw yourself into it completely and say, God, God, you can use me for whatever you need to use me in, Lord. I am here. Use me, Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the verse that we read earlier, says, throw yourself into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. We all work as unto the Lord. We do it, why? Because we love the Lord, don't we? Amen. How many of you love what God has done in your life? Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, or a.k.a. at the right time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. See, God is preparing you for your due season. Mm. He's preparing you for that at the right time. God is going to meet those needs in your life. Psalm 84 verse 10 says, a single day in your, in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. See, you and I need to 
Remember to keep the right attitude while we're serving. Keep the right attitude. Yes, of course, we are working as unto the Lord, but we're also working to see souls saved. We're also serving so that others do not go to hell. Amen? God saved you. God saved you. Now God is calling you to be, to be the, uh, the arms and the legs and the mouthpiece, amen, to reach those who are lost. That's what we're here for. What does that mean? That means that, that you need to stay strong. Those individuals who need to know about Jesus, they need you to stay strong. They need you to encourage them. Not to discourage not to tell them of all the bad things taking place in your life, but tell them all the great things that God has done and is doing in your life, in this nation, in this church. They need you to guide and to mentor them in righteousness. They need you to stand strong. I remember a song that we used to sing when I was growing up, and it said, uh, I'm going to stay on the battlefield. Remember that one? I'm going to stay on the battlefield, and then it said, till I die. And then the other part of that song said, I'm going to see souls saved. How many of you want to see souls saved? I know it's probably all of you. I only saw a few get happy about that. So I'm not, I'm not going to assume that the rest of you can care less about souls being saved. I know you do. But maybe you just didn't have that second cup of coffee this morning. Because <laughs> there was no smile on that face. <laughs> but we want to see souls saved, amen? I want to see souls saved. If we don't see souls saved, then what are we here for? Tell me, what are we here for if it is not to see souls saved? For myself? Oh, come on. Come on. I could find many other things to do for myself. But I'm here to see souls saved. I'm here to see lives transformed. I'm here to see, I'm here to see uh, 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 the, the prodigals come back, amen? Come back. All the, all the kids that I grew up with in church to see them come back to Christ. That's what I'm here for. That's why I keep moving forward. To see the next generation do greater things than we've ever done before. To see them love God for themselves. To experience a personal relationship with God. To see, them, to see them move forward and to not quit. Why? Because they experienced God for themselves just like I did. That's why I'm here. I don't know why you're here, but that's why I'm here. I pray that you get on the same page. I want to see souls saved. I want to see transformation. I want to see restoration. I want to see healing. I want to see these things in marriages, healing in marriages. I want to see these things. I want to see, I want to see fathers take their rightful roles in this nation. This is what we're lacking. 
This is what you and I need to pray for, that fathers would step up, amen, and be godly men and lead their children in the ways of the Lord. God bless those single moms, but that is not your job to have to do that on your own. That wasn't part of the message, but that was God leading. Fathers, you're important. Fathers, you are so crucial. I know this nation tries to get rid of, of, that, of that man, and I'm sick of it. I'm really, really tired of it. Because our children, our next generation, our young boys, our young girls need to see that strong example of a man serving God. Of a man staying committed to his wife. Of a man keeping pure. Church. So many things that take place around us and even here in this church that are a cause of this that I'm speaking about right now. So many things. We need to pray it back. You need to pray it back, amen? You need to seek God. God, bring restoration in families. Bring restoration in families, Lord. I know you can do it. Romans 12, 4 says, just as there are many parts to our body, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and, take, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. We know that's true. For we each, for we each have different work to do. We, but it says, so we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. Everyone here is important. It doesn't matter where you fall in those end credits. You are all important. We couldn't do it without you. Know that. This couldn't happen without you. So what do we find when we serve? We find joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, he actually says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let that be your strength, the joy of the Lord. There's so many people that are looking for joy in this world. And they have so, ma they have so much money and, and possessions, but they can't find joy. Why? Because you can't buy it. You can't buy joy. Joy comes from God and from God alone. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. We serve because we want to give back. You've been, we, you and I have been given so much by God. So much. Because we are grateful for what he has done in our lives, what do we do? We give. Isn't that how it works? We give because we are grateful. We give because we appreciate We find joy not only in the receiving, but also in the giving. I say we find more joy in the giving. We do. I found the most joy in serving the Lord, in doing His work, unlike anything else. But there's also days where I feel tired, I feel exhausted. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength. He says, and he says, and my heart is filled with joy. Because the Lord is my strength, my heart is filled with joy. Like I said, there's days where I walk in this building and I think, wow, I don't have anything left. 
and then guess what? I just keep moving forward, and it isn't immediate. It's not, it's not right then and there, but I keep moving forward, and I keep doing what God has called me to do, and God gives me supernatural strength. Supernatural strength. I don't know if you've experienced that before, and I'm sure many of you have, that supernatural strength that only God can give you. As you, as you serve him, as you serve in his house, you end up leaving refreshed. You leave better than how you walked in. That's God. That's God. You need to give him praise for that. He is your supernatural strength in times of fatigue. Not only will you find joy, but you will find contentment. Oh, man, how many people are looking for contentment these days? No one's content, it seems like. Everyone wants, 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 wants. And when they get what they want, 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 what do they do? They want something else. That's how we are. We're human beings. We are never truly satisfied. Unless your life is in Christ. How many, of, how many of you have found true satisfaction outside of Christ? I haven't found it. And frankly, I don't want to look for it because I already found it. I have no need to try to find it because I've already found what I need in my life. I've already found where I have true contentment. Job 36 verse 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. See, true contentment is only found in the Lord and it's found in serving. I believe it's found in serving. Why? Why? Because Jesus came to serve. He came to serve and to save didn't he? He didn't come to get waited on hand and foot. He came to do for others. So if Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was a servant, we need to be servants. We need to have that same attitude. Ministering to the next generation as our worship team comes forward this morning, praying for those who are sick in body. You're serving. You're serving. And in this, you will find contentment. Believe me, you will. If you're looking for it this morning, look no more. It's found in Christ. It's found in Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Let me save you some heartache. Let me save you some years wasted. Amen? And... Find it in Christ. Meeting the needs of those less fortunate. Being a mentor to those without parents. Allowing God to use your life to develop others. To guide them. To protect them to keep them from harm. Philippians 4.11, Paul says this. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am in to be content. 
I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I think the key words in that is, I have learned. I have learned. Paul didn't say it came naturally for me. Paul didn't say when I accepted Christ into my heart, I was just content and I was content forever and it was not, it's not going away. No, Paul says, I have learned that whatever situation I am in, I've learned, I've learned how to be content. He says it didn't come naturally. It wasn't, it didn't just happen. I had to learn to do it. Which means I've made mistakes, I'm sure Paul's saying. In this learning process, there's mistakes that have been made. In this learning process, I have felt forgotten. In this learning process, I have felt unappreciated. In this learning process, I have gotten over the places of feeling that I needed this and this from so-and-so. I have learned in my life that true joy, that true contentment is only found in Christ. It's only found in Christ. The unknown soldier is not really unknown. You know who knows him? God knows him. God knows him. He's not really unknown. He might be unknown to you and I. He might be unknown to, to all those who are trying to find out who it is and all of these soldiers and all of these individuals who have given their lives and are unknown. God knows them. God's always known them. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Church, let me tell you, God knows you. God has always known you. And God will always know you. You need to remember that. You need to, you need the Holy Spirit and he will remind you, believe me, he's going to remind you that you are not forgotten that the work you do is valuable. It's appreciated. There's lives, there's lives coming to Christ because of your service. You need to know that. And let's operate in that. Let's operate in that. Let's move forward with that mentality. Every time we serve, we have that mentality. Lord, I am not forgotten. Lord, my service is valuable. Lord, there are lives that are gonna be touched by you because of what I am doing, because of what you have, what, because of what you have strengthened me to do. And you serve God. You serve him wholeheartedly. Amen. You're known to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I am known to God. Amen. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.